coming to you live from an abandoned storage locker somewhere in Mesa, Arizona. You're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. And Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Boom shakalaka. Hello, welcome in. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast, episode 200, Neil. Oh, the memories. Oh, memories. Oh, jazz hands, jazz hands. So many Wednesday nights. So many Wednesday nights, so much time in an abandoned storage locker in Mesa, Arizona. That's right. Beautiful, beautiful. And I'm all decked out for our our 200th year. Of of course, (laughs) I still have Grogu back there. I've got my official Important Nonsense uh, mug. I've got my Important Nonsense t-shirt. So I'm I'm set. I'm 100% set for this. I'm ready to go. You can't even buy an important nonsense t-shirt. You got to ask Steve's wife to make you one like he Exactly. Got to go full bootleg. Yeah. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Oh, that is how you do it. Well, happy 200, Steve. I can't believe yes. we've been doing this for over 5 years at this point. It feels like just yesterday that we decided let's start a website and let's start a podcast and had no idea how to do either of those two things and Against all odds, we're still doing. (laughs) But uh, what's on the docket for today, Neil? I know we're talking week three. We're recapping week two. A little bit of recap of week two. A little bit of prep for week three. A little bit of the bigger storylines just around some of the people getting deactivated. Obviously, we'll have our start shit start sit correct that almost almost (laughs) made an unfortunate error uh we'll have our uh start show lagged i see Mm -hmm. uh wouldn't be the first time won't Uh be the last my friend as i've mentioned to you before anytime you put me in front of a live microphone might be the last time hot mic yep so the the thing that we'll we'll do that obviously on friday with uh jordan jack and jason they'll do the the actual proper start sit stuff but we have some kind of like more macro entries that we need to step through just for people to kind of figure out what they're going to do with some of their teams. And then we will also discuss uh, possibly a little bit of sports betting here tonight. Little birdie told me that you had some sports betting that you, uh, that you Look, might want I to talk about. I always have sports betting to talk. Well, about. I know you're a horrible degenerate so, gambler exactly. and anybody who follows our work knows this. So it's, <laughs> that's kind of where we're at. Um, it's, but let's just kind of, let's just start here with a topic that I know is near and dear to both of your and I's heart, which is, Today, it was announced that Justin Fields will be starting this Sunday finally. for the Chicago Bears, finally. And then immediately thereafter, it was announced that... Five minutes later. Five <laughs> minutes later, that don't get confused, it's still Andy Dalton's job don't get when your he's healthy. Yeah. yeah. So, for those of you who may have missed it, Andy Dalton was injured in last Sunday's game. Uh, and that's going to force him to miss some time, at least a few weeks at a minimum is kind of what the tea leaves are, or that's how it's kind of shaping up. And they've decided they're going to go ahead and just give it to the kid, see if the kid can get in there. And as we all know, from a lot of years of watching football, if Justin Fields plays well enough, he may just never give the job back. What would happen in a normal football scenario, but because it's the Chicago bears, there's every chance that no matter how well he plays, Andy Dalton will get tossed back in there when he's actually healthy. Yep. And then next year, this will all be a non-issue. But for this year, that's what it is. So all that being said, at least for this week, for week three, we know Justin Fields 
will be starting. If you had Justin Fields, Steve, obviously you would need to know what people's options are, right? Yes. But what's the level? Where do you have Justin Fields ranked? What's the level of confidence that you would have starting a guy for fantasy purposes that is effectively making his first career start? Compared to the rest of the like expert consensus, I've got Justin Fields at 14, and that feels low compared to everybody else. Um, it, he seems to be getting that same uh, Konami code type ranking where people are automatically wanting to lock him into the top 10 and at the very least the top 12. And for me, again, he's I love Justin Fields. I think he's got plenty of upside, but he is extremely raw. We've seen that in his preseason action. We saw that last week where he missed a couple of open throws that he could have hit. Now, what's good about Justin Fields, uh, as we were talking about, separately on our, our discord chat come join us join the patreon you can see it down there for one dollar come and join the discord but what we were talking about separately was the fact that that's a game this past sunday the bears won against cincinnati that last season they lose oh yeah because mitch trubisky on third down takes a sack and it's cincinnati ball and we're talking about them potentially going down the field and, and he might not have taken a sack. He could have also thrown a hideous interception for that. Sure. That too, where Justin Fields escapes from the backfield, scrambles for five yards, gets the first down, keeps the drive going, wins the game essentially. Sure. Sure. So that's something that he provides that Andy Dalton does not, that Mitch Trubisky never did. So Justin Fields, massive upgrade from anything from a football NFL perspective that the bears have had in a long time. But from a fantasy perspective this week, as we've talked about, like him personally, I'm still in wait and see. Uh, there are still so many great options out there. For right. me, he's in he's in this tough nexus. I could I could see making the argument for him at 12 because he's playing Cleveland, so it's a good enough matchup. I don't like that it's on the road, but it's a good enough matchup. And the two guys I have ahead of him are Stafford and Brady going up against mm. each other. Sure. So sure. It, uh, those are both two very good defenses. It There's a good chance that could be a low scoring game. So maybe it's possible fields jumps them into the top 12. But to me, I think that's the only way he gets there. Maybe. I don't know. And it depends where you look, right? Cause if you actually look at uh fantasy pros, actual week three rankings, and mm-hmm. that's a little different than, the total expert consensus, but right now they have fields at 18 is, Mm. is where he actually slots in for them. And so I'm more in that neighborhood of the 14 type of thing, because when you get to that neighborhood, you're talking about who would you rather start Justin Fields or Kirk cousins, Justin Fields or Sam Darnold, Justin Fields or Derek Carr now Gimpy. Yeah. And for me, He's that's where he needs to live. He's mm-hmm. right in that neighborhood where it's like, look, I don't want to discount. We've historically trashed Kirk Cousins and rightfully so on this show for mm-hmm. a lot of the crappy performances this season. He's put together two quality starts and they're not necessarily running the ball at the clip that you would have expected. Yeah, and they're playing it's only, Seattle whose defense hasn't been great. I right, actually have Cousins only, ahead of all those guys. So right? do I actually, because I'm like, Cousins has actually been pretty decent. Mm-hmm. But but it's one of those situations where if you're asking me like Justin Fields or Sam Darnold, I'll take my chances on Justin Fields rather me than, than the, the capped upside of, of that. Yeah, that's and, the thing, right? Is 
the the unknown of Justin Fields, the also what's also unknown, you don't know what the floor is, but you don't know what the ceiling is either. No idea. And that's yeah. it's all upside there. And I agree with you. I've got him in that same neighborhood with Carr, who's put up back to back four hundred yard performances. Sure. Yeah. And you count on that continuing, especially with him having the bad leg. Bridgewater. Apparently he's fine. Daniel Jones, who's put up two top ten weeks, Sam yeah. Darnold against Houston. That's a game that for all intents and purposes, they could be blowing them out. And then all of a sudden he doesn't do anything or need to do anything in the second half of that game. And it's bad for fantasy purposes. And then, yeah, same like Teddy Bridgewater, like I said, coming off the hot week, Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe Burrow, good player, tough matchup. Baker Mayfield, by the way, is they just about every outlet has Teddy Bridgewater is, is like at 12 roughly. Mm-hmm. So I think we might be a little lower on the Teddy Bridgewater for this week, but well, we can ask this guy who has stormed his way once again with his steel <laughs> chair right past security. I don't even know why we pay security. Welcome, so welcoming welcome in Jack, Jack Cavanaugh for to uh, joining us once again, Jack. Say hello to the audio listening audience. Hello, hello, <laughs> hello. I am Jack, and I am back once again for a celebration. You can't see if you're listening to the podcast, but if you're live, you can see that I am wearing the glorious Tom Selleck Hawaiian shirt, (laughs) full chest hair and everything. hundred percent, hundred percent. It's beautiful. Uh, We were talking about Justin Fields and his uh, fantasy outlook for this weekend, getting his first career start. Who we do like it. We like it a lot, even though it's against the Cleveland Browns. It's the, the nice thing is, they're probably going to be in comeback mode. And mm-hmm. Justin Fields, he did show signs of life. If Allen Robinson catches that touchdown pass, and if Darnell Mooney does, holds on to another deep ball, the stat line looks a lot better than it does on paper. And you've got the Konami code in the, your back pocket as well. Yep, that, that's basically where we were getting to. And yeah, uh, the, like Cleveland, think- also Cleveland secondary sucks. Through two yeah, weeks it's, at least. It's, it's the it's the weak really spot bad. of their defense. We knew that going into the season. It's going to be real, which again just helps this out, right? Like it's going to be difficult to run against them. It's going to be difficult to get those cheap yards short and over the middle. So you're looking at passing a lot because you should be chasing points. You're looking at him scrambling and potentially giving you points. And then again, for me, the biggest uh benefactor here is Darnell Mooney. Like Mm -hmm. I I talked about the fact that a Rob, I think basically should still have the the lead in the target share. He should still be the guy for Chicago. I think Montgomery will be fine because of the pass catching out of the backfield. I think he'll still be involved in that regard, but Darnell Mooney's biggest involvement in this offense is the deep to the mid range area that 15 to 30 yard range in the offense that they just have not been able to hit with Andy Dalton. We saw the statistic. He's only thrown one ball beyond 15 yards this year in two games, and that's far and away the worst percentage of deep ball passes in the NFL. So now you add in Justin Fields, who's not afraid to unleash it, and he has that better accuracy deep. I think this is a huge boom for Darnell Mooney. He's easily into my wide receiver three discussion. I mean, he's moved past flex. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he would be the biggest beneficiary. Jack, where do you actually have Justin Fields ranked for week three? Where did you actually slot him in at? 
Oh, you're going to make me pull this up, aren't you? <laughs> well, I was going to pull it up myself, but nah, I'll make you do your own work. Oh, well, stalling words just to keep people entertained. <laughs> we'll talk about <laughs> well, it looks like I haven't gotten an update from you, Jack, as of today. So. Oh, I, I, did all... my, I did my quarterbacks. I, I, I have to, some uh, some things to play with with the rest of the positions, but I did my quarterbacks. Well, it still says 920 on here, so it just may not be updated on my end. It, it, says, it says QB 18. Push through. Uh, I think I have them a bit higher than that, actually, but... The thing with Justin Fields, too, is does Cole Komet see a boost at all? Mm. No. I'm not ready to go there yet. I agree with the Mooney thing because that's what we've seen through two games. That's like paint by numbers at this point. The math is literally right there in your face. The Cole Komet thing is getting into like interpolation. You know what I mean? Where it's like some weird transitive property thing. I it'd be hard. I'd be hard pressed to be to be willing to actually put my name on that as far as a ranking mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and give him a boost without seeing it at least once. All right, so here it is. I've got Justin Fields right in there at QB twelve, so he is officially a QB one okay. in my rankings. All right, he is, he is one slot behind Daniel Jones because Danny Dimes has a cake matchup against Atlanta this week. I'm really high on him, which you don't hear from me often. Danny Dimes is QB five though in fantasy. Because mm -hmm. of that Konami code. And I've got him. I, I came in and you guys were talking about him. Derek Carr. I would have had Derek Carr ahead of him. But with that ankle injury. Yeah, and yeah, that's what we were talking yeah. about. Yeah, I think yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of Kenyon Drake and a lot of Peyton bleh, Barber. Bleh. Yeah. Oh, what a, what a psycho what a psychotic decision, by the way, <laughs> to not just give Kenyon Drake the, the job and to force Peyton Barber out there. Right. Why, why, what when you have two running backs that are paid in the top 15, well, you, you, you got to not use them. Obviously, <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's right. You got to not use them a hundred percent. Wow. Did you, did you go to like the John Gruden school of coaching? Did you have like a certificate from there or something like that? Is that, is that where you got that information from? Cause hey, I, I don't got to tell you where I did my book learning. <laughs> Spot on. Uh, all right. Well, does anybody else any have anything that they want to talk about Bears related? We did want to bring this up, but we're, we're... <laughs> I, I I do. I have go ahead. On the Bears. Fire away. <clears throat> the Bears are back, baby. Well, that's not really a talking point. But... It's not really a talking point. It's a yelling point. Sure. Yeah. It's a, a... I had to get it in. All oh, right. All right. Thank you, Jim McMahon. Uh, the the uh, the Bears are back, baby. Uh, let's, let's move on. That was all you missed, by the way, Jack, was we were just breaking down. We're talking about, cause I know you you guys on Friday will do like lineup setting, which always touches on injuries that are a little bit more minor. We're talking about major injuries, things that are going to like require waiver wire level roster adjusting. You might have to find a backup plan long-term is kind of what the thrust mm. of this conversation is. That's why we were talking about the bears. That's all you missed, but stop two is actually going to be, let's drive on down to Miami. And let's talk about they finally figured out what's wrong with Tua. For those of you who were watching uh, on Sunday, Tua got took a shot in the first quarter, missed the rest of the game. Everybody feared the worst. And it isn't quite the worst, but it's certainly not good. Uh, it was officially diagnosed today that Tua has fractured ribs. He will not play in week three. Usually, I'm not a doctor, but usually from injuries like this, when we do see them with fractured ribs, it's a multi-week injury. This is something that you're going to have to plan around 
And really, it doesn't matter so much because very few people, Tua was only just above the 50% rostered waiver wire line. So it's not really like you were starting Tua for the most part at this point. But what it does lead to the conversation of is, anybody have any confidence in Jacoby Brissett? And are we concerned that this might crater out what's left of the skill position players in Miami that you might've actually been playing. We'll start with Jack. Uh, I think that yes, it does crater the rest of the skill positions and no, I do not believe in Jacoby Brissett after what I have seen as of late. Didn't look particularly good in Indianapolis. Uh, Granted, all he really did was throw the deep ball. So we can't fault him for that. He also but, ran near the goal line. How dare so, you take sorry, that away he, he did. He did. He did run the QB sneaks, and I, I think he, I, I, I don't know. I think Jacoby Brissett is a solid backup, but eh, I, I, I can't see him elevating this cash. The one, the thing that does help is Will Fuller is back, and we know Jacoby has a cannon, so maybe he can get a deep ball to Fuller early in the game, and that helps because the Raiders' secondary is not that great but their defensive line is. So it's it's not something I really want to trust. I'm probably not playing any of these Dolphins this week. Maybe Miles Gaskin if you twist my arm in the All flex, right, pause right but... there because that's why I started with you. Now we're going to go to Steve, the resident Miles Gaskin expert and true yeah. believer to have to answer this question. Pause right there. We'll be right back with you, Jack. <laughs> uh, no, I, I actually, I'm kind of surprised you guys are out on this. Uh, la- remember last week, Jacoby played most of that game he went 24 for 40 they still threw the ball 40 times with Jacoby Brissett now they were getting blown out (laughs) but he threw a pick no touchdowns 169 yards like from a fantasy perspective do I want Jacoby Brissett no I do not want him as my starting quarterback but am I worried about the skill position guys no it's it's a scrambling quarterback the only thing that does slightly concern me is the same thing that's concerned me since he got there. And that's goal line carries for miles Gaskin. Otherwise, I mean, I still think it's wheels up. I think miles Gaskin is going to dominate the share of touches out of the backfield. I still think that will fuller is going to be involved. And like you said, Jack, he's got a cannon. Remember the last year of Andrew luck, they kept pulling Andrew luck to put in Jacoby Brissett because Jacoby Brissett had the better arm at that point, and he was the one throwing the Hail Marys. So he can hit that long ball. That's what they brought Will Fuller in to do. So I think they're definitely going to try to exploit that. I think he's going to try to get a rapport with some of these guys and see where he can land on Waddle, Parker, all of that. I feel like it's going to be more of a coin flip than anything, but that's kind of what you were getting from this offense anyway. Okay, so back to Jack real quick, because I never gave my thoughts, by the way. So when you say you guys are out on it, I'll get to what I think in a moment. But but back to Jack. Uh, so is it just Miles Gaskin for you, For you, given that? Given that just let's be the only Dolphin that you're ready to roll back out there? There's nobody else? Well, I do love Will Fuller, so I am probably going to play him. <laughs> okay. But, okay. Uh, it, it, dep- it depends on who else I have, but Will Fuller's in the conversation. It's just Fuller and Gaskin. I'm not playing Devontae Parker. I'm not playing Mike Gusecki if I can avoid it. I'm sure. Jalen Waddle. Yeah, you know, he's fine. He's been pretty impressive so far through two games. But yeah, that's yeah. 
Okay. That's it. So I will, I will, I was going to bring this up because you mentioned Devontae Parker. So for me, I was going to say, I'm not, I'm certainly not starting Brissett, but does it really make me want to crater out all the Miami skill position guys? Not necessarily. Like, well, I don't Brissett's like Parker not, to begin with, right? Well, that's, well, that, but that's one of the things I wanted to bring up. So when Brissett came in, one of the things that I noticed was that throughout the remainder of that game, Parker actually saw an uptick in, target, in targets than what he had been enjoying under Tua. So I was curious if maybe we thought Brissett comes in, maybe he's got some sort of rapport with Parker that's going to that's gonna lead that up. Because Tua had been favoring Waddle to a certain extent over Parker. And then when that shift happens, Waddle doesn't get nearly as much love. Parker sees a better day than what he's seen. And again, it's all super small sample size. You're talking about literally a game and a half, right? right. So it's hard to try to like pick too much out of this, but it is one of those things where... so just to put a fine bow on it. Nobody's interested in Devontae Parker. <laughs> still, that has not changed. Right. Will Fuller might still be worth might still be worth starting. From my end, I'm still not playing Waddle. I haven't seen enough just yet and if you were I don't see how you could be draft If you were in a position where you drafted Waddle to play him, what the hell does the rest of your team look like? Like that you're actually doing that. that that can't be that many people that that's relevant for Gasecki's done none of us on this show have ever been Gasecki guys and i'm not worried about miles gaskin uh even with jacoby running around the goal line a little mm. bit not overly worried about it mostly a function of have you seen what running back is in 2020 like have you seen it well it's a, and it's to, a uh, just to put a bow on that uh from what you were saying, Neil, after Tua left, mm -hmm. Jacoby Brissett, eight targets for Devontae Parker, uh, six for Jalen Waddle, six for Albert Wilson, six for Gasecki, five for Miles Gaskin. So there you go. Yeah. So Parker saw an uptick in targets. That's all I wanted to bring up. It's something to look at. I know none of us like Devontae Parker. That but again, I, I still believe that I was going to discount anything that happened the first game or now it turned into two games with will fuller off the field right right until he's there in that mix it's really hard for me to say how that's going to break down i i believe that he's going to end up taking over that number one job hands down and they're going to find a way to work waddle in but we just don't know who's going to suffer because of it that's well, fair we do have a question from the audience gill half ppr uh, Eli or Elijah Mitchell, whichever uh, floats your boat out there, depending on your platform, Corey Davis or KJ Osborne. What do you guys think? I, for me, I'm, I don't think Eli's going to play. I don't think I, Eli's playing either. Sorry. I got to put my hand up on camera properly. I don't. <laughs> not, so you really, you're asking me about Corey Davis versus KJ Osborne. Like Typically I would lean and half PPR. I would lean towards the running back, but I just don't think he's going to play. And even if he is, he's going to be I, very limited yeah. uh, because he's playing through the injury. So for me, it comes down to Corey Davis or KJ Osborne. I like what KJ Osborne has done. He has certainly uh, shown some flashes here and he has been extremely productive out of that number three role in Minnesota. Will this turn into a shootout against Seattle? I don't know. And it's a tough matchup for Corey Davis against Denver. So yeah. I, I understand why you may have the trepidation there. But at the end of the day, until we see otherwise, Corey Davis is still the number one receiver on that team. You're really asking me, do I want the number one on the Jets or the number three on Minnesota? And I'll take the number one guy. It is. Yeah. I mean, it is close, but I, I'm going to go with Davis on that. 
And so our guy at FB injury doc, Edwin Porras, he says that Friday is going to be the pivot point for Elijah Mitchell. Right now it's a coin flip. It's too tough to tell because it's going to take a couple of days before we actually know anything. That being said, I'll agree with Corey Davis. Last week was an aberration. Braxton Berrios should never lead the Jets in targets. The only reason he did is because Zach Wilson was seeing ghosts. He was terrified. He was panicked. He <laughs> Don't was... you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Hey, I mean, where's the lie? Zach Wilson oh. looks terrible. However, yeah. he looked. He he knows how to find Corey Davis. He went to him early and often in game one. Game yep. two, he panicked a little bit. So we're going to see a lot more of Corey Davis this week. And like, it's not like they have a strong... Or, sorry, the, the Broncos do have a strong defense, but... Yep they're going to force feed Corey Davis because they're going to have to. And with, with Minnesota, KJ Osborne has been on a roll lately. I, I get, get the interest in him, but uh, what it, it's tough to see lightning striking three times for the Vikings wide receiver in a row, three, three yeah. times in a row. Like, and I'm, this I'm, feels, I'm, feels like a Justin Jefferson game. Am I right? Yeah. It, yeah. Or, or an Adam Thielen in the red zone kind of yeah. game, like mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, well, we're all in agreement then, because for me, it's Corey Davis. I, I get that it's a tough matchup, but to Steve's point, he's the wide receiver one. That was going to be my main thing here. He's their guy. I'm not worried about Braxton Berrio siphoning off Corey Davis value long-term. I think that was a one week kind of blip. I, I, I would probably play Elijah Mitchell if Elijah Mitchell was actually healthy. Right. If he gets a full that's... practice Friday, I'll play him, but only if it's a full practice. If he's a limited participant, yeah. n- not yeah. touching it. It's got to be a full practice, and I would also love to see like Jamichael Hasty get deactivated and maybe Trey Sermon also get I th- deactivated. I, I think I... Hasty's on the IR, actually. I think yeah. Hasty's already out. Is he yeah. already out? Okay, yeah. because the last update I had on that was actually, this is something we were going to talk about later, but, but they just said he didn't practice on Wednesday, and then the Trey, uh, Trey Sermon actually did did get a limited practice in on Wednesday, despite the concussion. Yeah. And the other thing too, is that's a situation where it could turn into a shootout between Minnesota and Seattle for sure. mm -hmm. And then maybe Osborne does have some kind of, you know, value because of that. But to me, I think that Denver kind of runs away with that game. I think they're on track to go three and O here. They beat up on a very bad jets team. (laughs) Yes. There's every chance in the fourth quarter, though, that they're chasing points. Denver just doesn't care. And you get a lot of garbage time out of your Jets if you're playing Jets uh, in fantasy this week and DFS, whatever you want to do with it. And Corey Davis is their red zone target as well, in addition to being their number one. Mm -hmm. So if they get into a situation where they do have a scoring opportunity, he is their red zone threat. They don't have any tight end of note. It continues to be a car wash at tight end, or at a running back. So it, it's it's going to be the Corey Davis show for New York. It's just a matter of can they get there and do anything with it. A, a car wash that I will note no longer <laughs> seems to feature Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman started the game, had five snaps or six snaps, five carries. He was relegated to the bench, and then we saw the job split right down the middle between Tevin Coleman and Michael Carter. We saw 33 snaps from both. They had the same amount of carries, the same amount of routes run. So it's a two-headed backfield now, but you can't play either of them. Don't ask me about either of them against this scary Denver defense. Well, Tevin Coleman has looked terrible Yeah, through two games. I, not, not to beat the guy up when he's down, but that's the reality of it. 
He's there like you to go, Gil. Hope, hope that helps you. All right, Neil, what do you what do you got next on the Is it a good today? sign that the 49ers signed Chris Thompson to their practice squad? That's not what's actually next no. on the is docket. It, it's just Is it ever a good sign when is it ever good? Signs? Yeah. It's I, it's a good good sign for the RB1 in San Fran. Whoever I mean, it's, that a, is. it's a good yeah. sign for Chris Thompson's accountant. Right, right. His agent. Yeah. yeah. What year is it? We're gonna talk about this again. Chris Thompson, fantasy relevant. Yeah, no, right. we're not gonna have that conversation again. Okay, good. Uh so the next one is and this one hurts me personally because i have lots of shares jarvis landry first play of the game nine yard completion sprained mcl this is the rest of the game now on ir will miss at least the next three weeks with aforementioned sprained mcl odell beckham finally manages to practice in full for the first time this season today <clears throat> for all since jarvis got hurt all we heard about during the waiver process was Anthony Schwartz, Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, what do? <laughs> and now I think it's all wasted effort because Odell Beckham is back. So I'm going to ask the floor here. Is there, with Jarvis missing the next three weeks and Odell coming back healthy, is there any bit player on the Browns that you would actually recommend to anyone? In redraft? Yeah, let's go. Let's go with redraft, and then we can expand it out from there if we need to. Um, it depends on the depth of your league and what exactly. Team PPR. Uh, I would say no. Then okay. probably not. Sixteen yeah. team PPR, maybe. Yeah, if you're going sixteen team, Anthony Schwartz is your home run guy. It's the same thing for DFS. I think that's if you're looking for that that cheap home run. It's Anthony Schwartz. He could make one play and get you 17 points. Um, but for me, as, as I continue to say here, at least in the early part of the season, like with the Browns are playing such old school football. It's all about trying to get their wearing leather helmets. Right. Yeah. Trying to get their defense right, running the ball effectively and throwing it no more than like five yards down the field to their <laughs> tight ends. That's basically mm -hmm. it. And you've seen uh, Austin Hooper, David Njoku, and Harrison Bryant all have involvement in, in the uh, route running, yeah. blocking, the passing game. Uh, David Njoku, I think, is near the top of the team in air yards right now. Yeah. I mean, he is mm -hmm. he is actually having a really good start to this season. I think he's a real sneaky pickup in a, a deep league. I've picked him up in a couple of leagues, including Scott Fishbowl, uh, where it's tight end premium just because it's a decent flyer. And he's one of those guys who we keep waiting to break out. Will it ever happen? Will it ever happen? He's basically splitting the snaps right now with Austin Hooper, and you can have him for free anywhere you want him. So if you've got a deep bench, you're in a deep league, and you're desperate, David Njoku's a good pickup for me. Okay. Jack, yeah. anything to, anything there? Well, I, I want to piggyback on this David Njoku thing because we always say it takes time with these tight ends. It's the second contract is when we start to be interested in them breaking out because that's usually it's, like, it's a tough position to learn. Even yeah. TJ Hawkinson, a top 10 pick, he takes three years to really start to break out. So can we be shocked that David Njoku has taken this long to break out? It it. it it happened with Corey Davis and he plays an easier position to adjust to. So why not David and Joku? Right. I'll put it to you this way, Jack, how many different coaching staffs has David and Joku had to be a part of just in his time in Cleveland? I think this is probably the first time he's had back to back 
I was going to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think he goes all the way back to the Sashi Brown era. Mm-hmm. I believe that's correct. So David Njoku has had a new playbook and functionally a new head coach and a new GM just about every year of his career up until the last like two. Yeah. So that doesn't make his life easier, right? When you have to learn all the blocking assignments and the route tree and not get hurt. Right. It's like the hardest thing in the world to do. It's one of the hardest positions to play in football. That's why it takes so long. So being patient with people who play tight end is usually the right call to a certain extent. Hell, we trashed, we've trashed any number of tight ends on this show over the years. And it's like, we're not David and joke. Who's still young. It's too early to like throw the baby out with the bathwater here. He's not like 30. He's not, like, he's not 35 and he's not Chris Herndon. Where I was going to say, he's not objectively bad. Oh Lord. Okay. So Richard Higgins does nothing for nobody. Even after no. the end of, okay. All no, right. He, that's I, the I, one that you see on the internet. I'm just bringing it up because that's yeah. the one for people listening. If you go mm-hmm. on the internet, that's the one that people recommend to you is Richard Higgins or some people still like them, some DPJ, some Donovan yeah. Peoples Jones. That's the ones you'll see. So we're going to go contrarian. Well, I wouldn't say contrarian, but we're going to go off uh, off book on that. Um, yeah. Well, Donovan Peoples Jones, he's great for dynasty, but he's running more mm. routes than Richard Higgins. So yeah, no, definitely not Higgins. Keep Donovan Peoples Jones and dynasty. There's no way that those GMs are dropping him, but Richard yeah, Higgins well, is a, is a non-factor at this yeah. point. He, Higgins barely made the team after. Yeah, the only reason he right. made it back was because down the stretch last year, he had those like six games where he was actually good and he was fantasy relevant when Odell was done and it was Landry and Higgins. That's yeah. the only reason that people go back to the Higgins well is because that's what happened at the end of last year. That's all. That's the only reason it's worth, it's worth chopping up here a little bit just to help people out with figure out what they want to do. Cause I agree with you in dynasty Donovan people's Jones is probably rostered in your dynasty league, unless somebody decided to cut him. Uh, but those are the major injuries. I know you guys will go around the horn on like the inactives and other things like that on the Friday show. So I tend to keep it here to just, this is stuff that's going to be like multi-week and you're going to have to make a real adjustment to your roster to, to get something done. Those were the big ones unless people want to talk about Deontay Johnson's near miss, which I don't, or we could talk about uh, Josh Jacobs, or we could spend some more time talking about how CEH is bad at football and we could just all high five the camera. We did it. guys. We did it. We did it. High five. (laughs) Uh, And and that's, you brought up a good one there. Deontay Johnson, he got injured near the end of that game. Um, It seems to be like he dodged a serious injury, but they're going to be cautious with him this week. That's another one you want to monitor as the week goes on. Amari Cooper as well, dealing with the yeah, yeah, dealing with an injury. You want to keep your eyes on it. Same with uh, Deontay's quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. He's got the pec injury now. They're saying he's going to play through that. I'm saying he was practicing. He's going to play through it. Mike Tomlin's cut his eyelids off. I mean, it's it's like (laughs) that's what he does. Ben Ben has a nagging injury that he's going to power through it because he's such a big tough guy. Go Ben Roethlisberger. You needed a beer. Retire. You needed a beer in your hand, and not a quality beer. I mean, like a Miller Lite. Oh yeah, but, but not a Ben Roethlisberger fan. Take him out of the oven because he is done. <laughs> well, he's looked terrible, yeah. so that that helps you. Well, right again, well, this this kind of justified us in the you don't want Ben, but you want all of his skill guys, and you're okay yeah. with that. And to yeah. this point, that's been okay, but mostly, I, 
we'll see if he's if he's this banged up and he's gonna be detrimental to the skill guys then we have another discussion or they have to put mason rudolph in there at any point because then you just crater everything and just Mm -hmm. burn it all to the ground because we've seen that movie too many times correct but those are the main like actual major injuries that you're gonna have to plan around i guess we could also mention that josh jacobs once again was not at practice today after yeah. missing last week. And to be honest with you, I will not be shocked at all if they shut Josh Jacobs down for yeah. this game. I mean, we talked about this with Edwin when he was on last week. Like, we did. I, I would want to, if I could, I would want to go out and acquire Kenyon Drake, if at all possible. The very next day, they ruled out Josh Jacobs because we mm-hmm. knew it was going to be a matter of time before he was done. Here we are. He's just battling so many injuries, refuses to actually take a seat and let it heal up so now he's sat out one game we'll see if they they do it again that would be the smart thing to do yeah. but it's it's raiders football so. right exactly so the smart thing frequently doesn't happen exactly and and uh are you at all concerned about the fact that from what i saw Kenyon drake's job true to gruden true to his word Kenyon drake's job whether jacobs was in there or not did not change functionally <laughs> like it was the same job that we saw in week one where he was just catching the passes and they gave him some carries, but he looked ineffective again trying to actually. I mean, run to be ball. fair, it in Gruden's defense, like Peyton Barber looked like crap. There's no denying <laughs> that. But you can't defend it, that. <laughs> in, in his defense, did Kenyon Drake look any better running up the middle? No, he looked like crap. That's I'm, what I was pretty, I'm pretty he, sure he, to this point on the season, he's got like 11 carries for, for 14 about a, yards or something. It's like, it's like 11 carries for 11 yards. It's it's, it's something hideous. It's what? not good. And it doesn't help that they're missing both of their starting guards. Richie Incognito's being out. They lost Denzel Good to the ACL. Like, it's not going to get better this running game when Josh Jacobs comes back. It's going to be Derek Carr playing YOLO MVP ball all season. <laughs> and we'll see if it can, can keep up. Uh, it's going to be tough with that high ankle sprain, even if he plays through it. Yeah, through officially through oh, two games. Through I'll tell you that right now. That's yeah. happening. Through two games, Kenyon Drake, 13 carries for 20 yards. Averaging a yard and a half per carry. His season long is six yards. You heard that right, folks. I'm fairly confident that if we put Aiden, our editor, in pads, that Aiden could do better than that just because of his size. He's got 13 carries for 20 yards, and six of them were on one play. That's right. That means he has 12 carries for 14 yards sounds bad with everything else now seems, seems bad now he's got 11 targets and he's caught 10 of them for 105 that That's is significantly point. better and that isn't that is exactly why you want Kenyon drake in ppr and you do not care about basically any other format yeah i was gonna say Kenyon drake is weirdly only rosterable in ppr yeah and Which that's and I, what a, true yeah what a weird lifetime remember yeah. last year like when Kenyon Drake was a top eight drafted running back. He was the he between was like the starting. tackles guy with yeah. Chase Edmonds as the pass catcher. And now he's become the pass catcher for no what a reason. Weird world. <sighs> what a wild, wild world. But that's the majority of the, the kind of notable injury stuff. So Steve, what do you think? You want to talk sports betting here? You want to pivot directly into that? Yeah, let's talk a little, talk uh, a little Thursday night betting. football preview brought to you by our guys over at underdog remember if you are going on underdog fantasy use promo code nonsense and uh, you will get ten dollars for free with your ten dollar deposit so we are looking at the pickums 
right now, as I tend to do uh, for the game. The big question here is Houston playing Carolina, Carolina, great defense. They have shown out in the first two games, granted again, easy competition first two weeks, but still they have been fairly impressive and they are eight point favorites tomorrow going on the road to Houston, which means if they were at home, they would be 11 point favorites. So (laughs) (laughs) thank you, Mason. Yeah. Mason money. He knows it. Uh, so the big thing is how does Davis Mills impact the Houston Texans offense? And the, the most glaring thing to me, uh, you can, cause you can split it right down the middle. They were basically the same distance away from Cleveland the entire game, but Tyrod Taylor got hurt right before halftime. And then Davis Mills comes out and plays the entire second half. So it was a tale of two halves for the Houston offense in the first half, Mark Ingram had four carries for 16 yards. David Johnson had six for 25 in the second half with Davis mills. Mark Ingram had 10 carries for 25 yards. David Johnson, nada zilch did not have a carry in the second half. So in the first half, they were playing a lot of up-tempo with Tyrod Taylor. They were using David Johnson, mixing him in more. And in the second half, David Cully went full on David Cully and he just went, okay, I'm not going to let the rookie screw this up. Let's just run it with Mark Ingram. And they were just pounding the ball with Mark Ingram. He had 10 carries. Philip Lindsay had two carries for three whopping yards. And again, you're, you're playing Cleveland's front seven. So you're not going to have a ton of success. Carolina has a decent front seven themselves, but I, I don't know. 25 yards against Cleveland. Granted, some of it was garbage time. I feel like Mark Ingram's going to get leaned on in this game. Right now, the over-under for Mark Ingram is 41 and a half. Jack, yeah. what, what, are you, what are you thinking about Mark Ingram? Like, uh, normally, I would love to hit that under. I just feel like this is, this is tailor-made for them to just feed Mark Ingram an unnecessary amount so that he goes over that. I think they will feed him an unnecessary amount, but I also think it's not going to matter. I think this Carolina defense is scary. They are mm-hmm. for they, the defensive line. They're getting pressure up the middle. They're getting pressure from all their players. I think I, I this is one that I, I think I want to take the under or stay away on just because yeah, because it's close. Yeah, it's it's, it is a very strong defense, and I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being like a, a 17 carry for like 33-yard game from Mark Ingram. Yep. That's I, I my could worry totally there. See that. mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, the other one I was looking at too was how does this impact the pass catchers? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Brandon Cooks has been dominating the targets for Houston. Everybody knows that. But Brandon Cooks in that second half even, uh, Davis Mills had 18. I have that. I have that stat actually. (laughs) He had 18 official pass attempts and three of them were, or I'm sorry, one of them was a throwaway. Uh, but he had eight completions. Nine of his 18 pass attempts went to Brandon cooks in the second half. Now he only caught four for 20. There you go. That's that's (laughs) the disturbing part, but he got nine targets. So, Again, you're in a tough defense. It's a tough situation, but they should be chasing points here. Like they've set the over under at 
73 and a half receiving yards for Brandon cooks, because they know that he is the offense, but considering the fact that he is going to get basically all of the looks 73 and a half is a comfortable number. If you think he can go over, I don't know for me, if Brandon cooks goes under 73 and a half, I don't know that the Texans have more than like 150 yards of total offense. Yeah, that and 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 that's the worry is that's a a, a realistic possibility. <laughs> I know, <laughs> yeah. scary. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I like Brandon. He's gonna see the targets. He's gonna see double digit targets for sure. Mm-hmm. That the with how much did Davis Mills play with Brandon Cooks in the preseason? So probably not a lot. Probably we, none. Yeah. yeah. Why would he? We can't be surprised that they weren't on the same page week one and weren't able to make any completions there yeah. or not week one, but in his first, yeah, start. his first game. Yeah. Yeah. So I, this is a strong Panthers defense, but I think you either have to take the over on Brandon cooks or just punt all of these Texans and hit the under <laughs> on all of them. Those, if, if you're calling the under on Brandon cooks, you can't put the over on anyone else. Like that, right. that that's what we're looking at here. Yeah. I don't know. Some of those are so low though. Like, like the so, uh, okay here's so here is like, the point so in the entire second half like i said nine targets for brandon cooks mm-hmm. and he had four catches for 28 yards number two on the team with two targets was david johnson okay two. that makes sense so it goes from nine to two andre roberts also had two targets he caught one of them for a 35 yard reception jordan akins caught one of his two targets for a 17 yard reception Chris Conley and Pharaoh Brown each had a target and did not catch it. Right. Right. So he was fairly inaccurate. You could see he wasn't prepared, but again, why would he be? They didn't expect him to play. He probably didn't get a lot of reps last week. That won't be the case now. Granted short week. So it's not like he's going to get a ton of practice in, but he is going into that game tomorrow, knowing he's the starter. They're going to game plan for him. I believe it's just going to be a heavy run game with Mark Ingram that they're just going to basically try to run the clock out. And I think if there's any week to kind of be hesitant about Brandon cooks production, it may be this one, but yeah, to your point, everybody else, like I would hit the under on Philip Lindsay all day, every day. He refuses to be a part of this team. The only way that he hits that over is if Mark Ingram gets hurt. And even then David Johnson may have to get hurt as well. And or possibly or, Rex Burkhead too. I yeah. was going to say, or something very unfortunate happens where they give him one carry and he somehow manages to, because it's only 22 yards. Yeah. So they give him like two carries and he, and he breaks, breaks one of them for 30 yards. And you're just sitting there with your mouth hanging open. Like I hate everyone. Yeah. Uh, the David Johnson one is interesting because it's rushing and receiving yards. Mm-hmm. So if we make the assumption that, that Carolina actually starts just housing them in a mm-hmm. real way, which I could see happening. That would be an interesting one. I think that point was made by the two of you a little while ago. That would be my, the one that I've kind of looking at where it's like, okay, it's only 40 yards and he's the pass catching back as we've covered like 50 times on this show throughout the last week, uh, last week, David Johnson had only eight touches, but even still with those eight touches had 47 total yards. Exactly. So I'm like, look, he doesn't need that much to only get 40 yards in that game. And if he catches four or five passes, he could get you most of the way there. So it's like, ah, that'd be the one that if I was looking at this, I'd probably be somewhat interested in beyond the Brandon Cook stuff. 
obviously. Yeah. I, so. I I could get guy could get behind the David Johnson over that. I'm more confident in the David Johnson over than the Mark Ingram over. Honestly, Mark Ingram over scares me. Yeah, and I still, again, I really want to smash this under on just for spite. Like- just spite related spite reasons. Related reasons. Spite yes. related reasons on that. Okay. I, I think the real juice here, though, is the Panthers. I see you already have DJ Moore selected effectively, or it's grayed out. Like, oh, it's it, it's probably grayed out because I haven't refreshed this in a while. So hold on, let's let's reload. They they typically will update the numbers as people do this. Yes. Oh, so sure. D, DJ okay. Moore has been selected so much. He's no longer. Available They've just taken him off. The, yeah, the, yeah. No okay. The well, it was only like 75 yards and I'm like, I'll take the over on that. Yes. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Uh, ooh, and it looks that. like they've added Pharaoh Brown down here. Oh, look at that. At 18 and a half yards, which isn't bad. Yeah. Might, you might have to work that. Uh, but yes, up here, you've got the Panthers. So Christian McCaffrey, 141 <laughs> total yards. My goodness. They are. They love them some Christian McCaffrey in this game. That feels like a lot for anybody, even Christian That's McCaffrey. Yeah. Like it's I understand and receiving. So I get it. You're talking about 70 and 70. Effectively. I, know, and I know they're a terrible team, but man alive against New Orleans last week in a game where they crushed the saints and were in firm control that entire game. He had 137 total yards. Yeah. So to to be at 140 in a game that they should also be blowing out when you why would you risk your star? Well, I was going to say my if they start crushing him as bad as what's being projected, then Christian McCaffrey's playing three quarters. Yeah. I mean, I, I almost want to hit the under on that just because it's such a large number. Yeah, like it, it feels as much different. as I don't want to bet against Christian McCaffrey. You know, right, it, right. It feels disrespectful to bet against Christian McCaffrey, but right. come on, that is aggressive. Huge number, yeah. It's very aggressive. Yeah. So I'm for me, I'm thinking so far we go the over on David Johnson and the under on Christian McCaffrey. Are those that, you need that, four, right, Steve? No, you can do as little as two. Uh yeah, I still like I still like the under on Philip Lindsay. <laughs> He's going to get, he's going to get one carry for 40 yards. And yeah, he's going to break it. It's absolutely going to happen in the fourth quarter. Well, if you want to do, he's going to be under the whole time and then he's going to break it in the fourth quarter. The, does any of the B players for Carolina do anything for you? Because right, so 20, that was the other thing. So Dan Arnold, 22 and a half yards. That, week, feels, that feels achievable. Right. Like week one against the Jets, he had three targets, caught two of them for just six yards. He was fairly involved in the offense, but not much. Last week against New Orleans had three catches for 55. So really 22 and a half is about his average. It's just a matter of does he catch the big one or not? That's basically what you're trying to guess yeah. here. Funnily enough, you could talk about Robbie Anderson in very much the same way. Hundred percent. The big one or not is the, yeah. is the question there. And I have concerns as a gentleman, as a person who is probably going to have to play Robbie Anderson in a couple leagues and like regular nervous is mm-hmm. an understatement just because they don't, when are they going to have to throw down the field in this game? Like when you tell me and, when, like, and he's not getting the targets that he used to like, it's been a complete yeah. role reversal in from last yes, yeah because where he, no, he's it's back, back to, to sam darnold he's yeah. back to where he was it's sam darnold yeah. robbie anderson runs down the field with his hand up and anything underneath goes to christian mccaffrey yep 
Well, so and DJ it. Moore. DJ Moore yeah. last year, he was the deep threat. Now he's averaging about nine yards per target, whereas Robbie Henderson's are averaging over 20 yards per target. Like it's just a complete flip flop from what they did last year. It's weird. It is weird. It's annoying. Also, I'll say that's a good one. As a DJ Moore fan, I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. You would be. Oh, they just grade our Philip Lindsay. I think people oh, are starting to get heavy on too that. Too many thing. people hit the under. <laughs> well, it's too late. I've already selected it, so maybe I can still use it. We'll see. We'll find out here in a second. Okay. Uh, the Sam Darnold through two weeks, 19 points in week one, 20 points in week two. So that's right where his Mendoza line is. I mean, yeah. I, so I'm I'm good steering clear of the fantasy points there. I'm more interested in the completions conversation if you wanted to have it. Mostly my concern there is that do they even have to throw it enough for him yeah, to, exactly. to amass that? Like, so I, to I, be I, fair, week one against the Jets, he was 24 of 35 a lot of short completions. And then last week in their blowout, he was 26 of 38. So he's hit the over both weeks on those completions. But again, he was right at it. That number's right in line. It's just a matter of if they're up big enough, does he just stop throwing the ball and then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The That's Terrace quick. Marshall one doesn't do anything for me. No, he's not as involved with the offense as I would like, and I think he eventually will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, that's another one where you're you're hoping he breaks off one big play, um, which he has not done yet. If but, I had to do the Terrace Marshall one, I'm sorry, Terrace, because I think you'll will I think you will be somebody someday in this yeah. league, but that's not today, and I would take the under if I absolutely had yeah. to include that yeah. on my card. He's got, he had six targets week one, caught three of them for 26 yards. He had three targets last week, caught all of them for 17 yards. Uh, so again, he's hit the under both weeks pretty comfortably, but if he breaks it, he can go over pretty easily there because it's a low number. And it's the same thing with Phil Blunty. They <laughs> already got the one knife edge on there. Uh, and then Robbie, uh, uh, yeah, to your point, Robbie Anderson has been a ghost this entire season. So he's far. not getting, he's not getting targets. Nah, he's just he had that big touchdown the... week one and that was it. That is he literally like, it. on like two targets, Jack. Yeah. He caught, he caught the one that mattered and it made it look good on the stat sheet. But when you actually unpack that, yeah. he didn't do Jack. And yeah. then last week he had he was three targets involved. and he caught one for 57 yard touchdown. Yeah. And last and week, then he, last week that, he had but... six targets, but only caught three for 38. He has yeah. been the short range guy. And the three he missed were horrible. Yeah. Like they weren't on him. I mean, like Darnold did not throw quality passes for the majority of that. I watched a lot of that game. All so. right. So what do you, what do you, what are you guys thinking here? If I had to pick an over, I'm probably taking the Dan Arnold. Yeah. All right. If I had to take an under, I'm probably taking Terrace Marshall. Yeah, I was thinking that. Uh, I was thinking either Terrace Marshall or Robbie Anderson. For the under? Yeah, because to me, the Robbie Anderson is just has to hit a home run, which against this defense, you absolutely could do. But if they go up two touchdowns early, then Robbie Anderson is off the field probably by the third quarter. Right. Brand, Brand Zilstra. Uh-huh. Well, and, but, uh, but again, you could very easily see Robbie Anderson get four or five receptions for 50 yards and hit the under here. Like he could be involved in the offense and have an okay fantasy day and still hit the under 
Whereas Terrace Marshall, you're basically saying he's not part of the team. Mm. It's only 30 yards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with going both the over on Dan Arnold and the under on Robbie Anderson. If we want to up our payout a little bit here. Yeah. Sure. And I don't know. Uh, I think that it may not let me do this. Uh, yeah. Philip I don't Lindsay. think it'll let you hit it the Philip Lindsay. Not. All right. Hold on. Let me reload. Well, let's, let's ask this question while we have, let's see if, let's see if our, uh, our resident betting expert, one of them, oh, they put DJ Moore back on there. They just adjusted. Oh, hey. oh, see, now they dropped Philip Lindsay to 20 yards. I'm still tempted to take the under. <laughs> Mason, are you still in the audience? Send us a message if you are. You'd love some feedback from Mason on what he thinks might be a might be a good one for the fifth selection. Uh, I don't know. Like, go. Yeah. yeah, the under on 30 is close. I still think the Sam Darnold one is good. His comment was money. That doesn't help us. Mason. That's not helping me, Mason. Come That's on. Uh, again, the, the Darnold one with the over incompletions is very tempting because they could just do a lot of dip and dunk underneath. He could rack up a bunch of completions early on. But like I said, through the first two weeks, he was right on that borderline. I think both of the Darnold ones are just too close for me to be comfortable with. I think McCaffrey is fool's gold, and that's way too high of a number. So I'm good with the under there. They set the over-under for DJ Moore at 73.5. That's the updated number. DJ Moore through the first two weeks. Week one, he had six catches for 80. Last week, he had eight catches for 79. Boy, it's tempting. Fade Darnold is uh, Mason's I advice. I see that. Yeah. And then I don't know what that means. There's two Darnolds on the board. Well, I think he just means stay away from the Darnold thing okay. in general. All right. Um. Yeah. DJ Moore at the over both weeks. So, do we want to play the? Uh, do we want to play that the offense basically stays the same here? Hit the under on Robbie Anderson and the over on DJ Moore. I could get behind that. I could get behind that too because it's what we've seen before. It's a little chalky. But basically, but... through the first two weeks, and then they well, just then what do you want to do with the Dan Arnold thing? Do you want to remove the Dan Arnold one out of there potentially? Oh. If and then and then look at something else. Um. Well, what would be the other one? I mean, you were really content to smash that Philip Lindsay under. I mean, I still don't think he's going to do anything. I can double check here. Hold on. He has been, he hasn't even been taking snaps. He's yeah, not even getting on the field. I think he had two carries last week for like three yards. And the week he before had that, five he had like carries a- for two yards. And then in week one against Jacksonville in a fairly high scoring game, he had eight carries for 25. Right. Right. So he, just and one of them was a touchdown. Right. Right. Um. Yeah, I feel like it was a long touchdown too. It was. It was like a like no. A last, oh, that last week he had a twenty-two yard receiving touchdown. Oh, that's right. That's what I'm thinking. That's of. right. Yeah. I still think he's going to hit the under on that. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm good going David Johnson over. McCaffrey under. Yeah, I'm fine. Robbie I'm Anderson good. under. Yeah, I do that too. We want to go I'm, over. I'm hoping you're wrong about the Robbie Anderson thing for, for my own self-preservation, but right, I go, agree with you. Uh, wait, saying I've reached five. I haven't reached five. Oh no. 
think I still have Philip Lindsay selected? It does think I still have Philip Lindsay selected. Come on, work with me, underdog. <laughs> well, I submitted mine. Oh, yeah? What'd you do for years? I did the David Johnson over, the Christian McCaffrey under, the Dan Arnold over, the Robbie Anderson under, and the DJ Moore over. Okay. So that's everything we talked about, right? Yep. Yeah. Right. No, I actually did the opposite of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Got to play the percentages, right? Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to confirm that, and I'm sure it's going to give me the Philip Lindsay under, and I'm fine with that. That's what it gives me. Ugh, pigs have changed. See, come on. All right, fine. I'll just do it off air. That's fine. <laughs> fine. Be like that. Just be like uh, that. Fine. <laughs> but, but there you go. There's your Thursday night preview. Again, if you're going to play along, make sure uh, <laughs> make, make sure you use promo code nonsense. You'll get a free $10. Woo! Smash that DJ Moore over. That's uh -huh. right. <laughs> Miami Vice Jack. He's not wrong. He's not. Show me the lie. It's a good look. It's a good look. Can't deny it. They also have the head-to-head -head rivals that we didn't even uh, talk about. That's okay. We're, we're running short on time here. Uh, any closing parting thoughts, gentlemen? There's not too much that we didn't cover other than... Uh... Miami Vice Jack is a good uh, is a good look over there with his Selleck mustache and his uh, like it. and his and his shirt and his sunglasses. Uh, beyond that, I would say my condolences to everyone who drafted Ceh. We tried to warn you. <laughs> we tried to warn you on that. Did our best. Want to listen? Didn't want to listen, and uh, just. I, I guess start Justin Fields, to be honest. It's, it, it, you probably, depending on what your other options are, if you're quarterback desperate and he's out there in your league, go check the waiver wire and see if he's still out there. I mean, Jack, yeah, that, that essentially summed up our entire time here. That's pretty much the show. Pretty much it, yeah. Uh, well, smash that DJ Moore over. Smash that DJ Moore. There you go. That's the show in like sound bites. Jack, what do you have on the way out the door here? Uh, smash that DJ more over. Make sure you tune into the Friday Night Insights podcast on Friday night, where me, Jason, and Jordan help set your lineup. So if you have any start sit questions as we go through the week, figure out uh, all the news, all the injuries, and whatnot, we'll have the answers for you on Friday night. It would be really weird if the Friday Night Insight show wasn't on Friday night, Jag. It'd be. <laughs> Hey, it's just making sure we're clear. Yeah, just in people. case. Just in yeah. case. All right. And then uh, I will be back for our halftime show tomorrow, uh, locked in. So we will be talking about more pickums. If you enjoyed this, be sure to uh, to check that out with us tomorrow. And join our Discord, portnonsense.com slash That's right. For $1. $1. You can come and talk to us directly ask us questions and thank you to everyone who has actually signed up for this incidentally, because we have had a number of people take us up on this offer and it's been great interacting with them and answering questions. And uh, if you would like a fast pass to talk to us in a more real way than on Twitter, $1 a month is a pretty, pretty reasonable price tag to do that. All right. Well, uh, that's it for this week. We will be back again with episode 201 next week. And uh, until then, just keep up the nonsense.
Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!